You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's right. up, guys? I'm about to go live with Daniel DiPiazza of Rich oh, 20-something. Let's get started. Um, not that we normally have an agenda, but I do want to address some specific things as promised on f- Facebook. Uh, yeah. First of all, you are Daniel DiPiazza. Yes. Author. Yes. Of Rich 20-something, Ditch Your Average Job, Start an Epic Business, and Score the Life You Want. Uh, that's right. And that's what this podcast is going to be about. Nice book. Nice yes. book. Thanks. That's what your mom wants for you. Sort of like you want. Exactly. Exactly. So let's let's talk about that. Uh, tell me, should I say, tell me about your mom? Well, she's doing well. Talk to this mom. Yeah, how's she doing? I know it's a loaded subject. We're friends, and also this is on Facebook, so everybody's gonna see. But I got you. No, everything. Look, you know, um, it's funny too because the book is Rich Twenty Something. Uh, I'm gonna be thirty in uh, fuck three months. Congratulations! You lived a long time. Uh, yeah, three decades. I honestly, when I was a kid, I I thought it would be impossible to make it to twenty. I thought twenty is such a uh, an old, old man. I didn't. I, I had this not a fear, but just this idea. I'd definitely die before twenty because it'd be too old. Were you that gangster that you thought you were gonna die? Oh no! I, it wasn't because I didn't think I was gonna get shot. I just thought that how how could some? Because when you think about it, if you're if you're eight, you know that's a that's like you know more than a hundred percent longer than you've already lived. So it's like it seems really impossible, you know. And now I think to myself, oh, thank God, they got it and die then because what a dumbass at twenty. Yeah, actually, have you heard? So, have you heard of this theory? Uh, we might have talked about this before. How that each year seems shorter and shorter, more and more compressed. Because you know, say, all right, say you're five years old. Well, right. one year is a fifth of your lifespan. That's a long yeah. time. But now you're thirty years old, and well, the year seems to go by a lot more quickly because it's not. It's no longer a. It's it's a thirtieth of your year. Look at that little math. A thirtieth okay. of your life, of your life, excuse me. Proportionally, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. Um, but, and, and so imagine, you know, now my great grandparents who are about to turn a hundred, like think about how, what, what the, what the, the spectrum and the, like the, the uh, percentage of life that they've lived and how they see things, you know, I was, um, I don't know if I have any on me, um, but they're in my drawer. I'll show you. This is cool. You like this? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go like this. All right. We're hold. No, we're holding, and I'm gonna say hello to a few people who have joined us. Uh, Ooh, Marion's in the house. Marion's in the house. Sarah's in the house. Oh, Sarah's in the house. You got your lady watching. Hello, Sarah. No, another Sarah. Different Sarah, not your lady. Uh, Definitely do not confuse things. The um, lady is upstairs working out. Okay, cool. Angela Dedrick has come in. She has a picture from the monkey forest in Bali, I believe. Um, I'm, I'm kind of afraid to touch things on my screen here, but I, I see uh, we have a Marianne, um, a friend of yours, coming in. Yeah. We have, uh, aha, we have Mike from Costa Rica signing in we got angelus confirming that yes that was the picture from the bali for uh monkey forest um, my aunt is in the house my aunt my aunt Anne is here aunt so check this out this is so sarah. check this out D- different sarah i'm on a lag go ahead so check this out this right here which you can't really see so this right here this little guy right here is my great grandfather okay okay and that is his father so that would be my great great and on the back of this picture Okay, which I'll read it. This is in my great-grandfather's handwriting. This is the only picture of my father. It was taken at Coney Island, New York, circa 1923. I am on my dad's lap, and my mother is holding my brother James. So this is like the only picture that he would have of his father from the 20s. And you think to yourself, man, looking back on that time period, how long ago does that feel to someone now who's, we're now we're talking on an iPhone and the world is completely different. Everything is 100% different. Uh, the world's completely changed. And, and what must his perception of the past be? We'll find out when we get that old, I guess. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I've always been fascinating with, fascinated with history. Uh, but, you know, after school, I didn't 
actually, I didn't hit the history books, but now I've been reading this Ben Franklin biography. It's really cool. Like it really puts things in perspective on how far we've come in, in the world, in this country in the last, what, 300 years. Um, so we said we were going to stick on topic, uh, time. So we started to talk about your, your mom, but talking about, uh, let me ask you this. So you do all sorts of crazy stuff. You do whatever you like. Uh, you, you're living the dream. It sounds like, uh, trying to plus or minus. Yeah, pl- plus or minus here. You're, you're doing all right for yourself. You have a, you're having a lot of fun. Um, you I are have... not stuck at, uh, I don't know the, what was the waiter job that you hated in Atlanta or, I mean, you, I you had, yeah, go ahead. I didn't even hate it that much. I just, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not working at a, at a restaurant anymore. That's, that's good because that wasn't what you wanted to do. Nothing wrong with working at a restaurant to pay the bills oh. or oh. because you love it. No, there's nothing wrong with it. I think that like, first of all, now looking back on that experience, you get, you take something from everything. And, um, and I can only take whatever lessons I learned from that a few years later. So it took me some time to figure out what the things were from that experience that were useful to me now. One of those things might be just learning how to follow directions, which is important. Um, and sometimes, and this is what we want to talk about during this conversation, sometimes the idea of like being able to work with people without constantly disagreeing with them, without constantly fighting, you know, without with working with multiple different personalities, being able to like navigate those situations, you learn things through all these experiences. And even if you work at a job that you don't like, you can pick something up from that. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And you've written extensively about this in your book, on your blog, um, et cetera. So, but then why did you decide to make that change? Were you just bored? You start, what did you do? You started uh, doing acting and wanted to do a bodybuilding documentary? Well, I mean, I did those things. Yeah, I was, I was acting for a while. I did some different, I did some TV stuff, I did some film stuff, and I was, I was, uh, I opened up a tutoring business. Like I was trying all these. I was like just poking buttons on the, in the universe to see what would happen, and uh, that's something that I think we should all need a period of uh, time to go through where we test out different things. You did the same thing, you know, um, and I think that that it builds confidence. It builds confidence in you when you're able to test things. You realize that you don't die, and then it encourages you to keep trying things and eventually over a period of now this is going towards 10 years of testing things now it, the patterns start to become more um, evident and then I can make decisions based on things I've learned from the past when it's only your first time doing something your first time trying a business your first time uh, working with people it's really hard to know and now a couple cycles into it it becomes more obvious okay so I like what you said that you're poking holes in the universe you're trying different things and you found out you failed at several of them, or you had just whatever mediocre successes at some of them. I mean, I think yep. just just doing doing the damn thing is yep. is a success in itself. But you said you didn't die. How, that, how did that happen? That's incredible. Did you ever feel like you were going to die when you were doing something so outside of your comfort zone? I'm, I feel like I'm going to die right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm outside right now. I'm, I'm constantly pushing. Yeah, I. I there have been periods where um, where I felt that it would be better for me to be safe and miserable than to explore what freedom could be. But ultimately, I didn't have the I didn't have the heart to um, to deny what I felt, and so I had to keep pushing, even though it was uncomfortable. Okay, so you you didn't have the heart to tell yourself. No, you didn't have the heart to just sit in your room and watch Netflix and not do it. Although I know you I watch can't. a lot of Netflix. You, you love Netflix, whatever, right? But of course. you do. You get the shit that you want to get done, done, right? Of course. And so, but, but where did you muster up that courage to say, all right, I can't, you, you literally, you just talked about listening to what was on the inside? How'd you do that? Well, okay. So my, my perspective of courage is that it's a skill and it, it, you, it's a muscle and you can train it and you get courage by trying, testing small things outside of your comfort zone. And then whether they work or whether they don't work, the courage is a result of the effort 
and you build that strength, you build that confidence in yourself, and then you develop this core of inner belief. And then what happens is, for instance, with my new projects I'm working on, I'm not, I don't always know what I'm doing, but I have confidence in myself to figure it out. So it's not always that I know how to do everything I'm attempting, but that I know I can figure it out. And that, over time, allows me to push through barriers where most people would say, well, I don't know what to do, well, I'm scared. The belief comes from the inside, and then you use that inner belief to push forward towards your goals, knowing that the failure is not really the thing, it's more of the effort. Okay, so do you get that just from practice? Have you just been doing things that scared you, like the, the cliche says, since you were really young and you just developed that confidence? How can someone listening right now develop that confidence? Confidence is, so first of all, the idea behind confidence is that, for me at least, it's come from um, looking at myself like as more than just um, an entrepreneur. Like I think that we, entrepreneurship is like really sexy right now and it's glorious and everyone wants to do it. But confidence is something that you build in yourself from a lot of different ways. It's the same reason that mothers will put their kids in martial arts when they're young. You have to develop different areas of your life so that you know that you have the ability to adapt and learn and try new things. So I'm always looking for new ways to test where my strengths are and find ways that I can um, I can expand what I think would be a good fit for me. So I'm always reading. I'm always training my body. I'm always trying to improve my relationships. I'm always trying to learn more about things that interest me. And over time, I become more confident in who I am and what I enjoy. And then that gives me the, um, the wherewithal inside to go and say, all right, well, maybe I can try this new thing. And over time, I just collect these experiences. And the experiences I look back on, um, they give me the, the courage to keep pushing forward. One of, the, one of the things that people ask me is they say, you know, um, what, like, what happened, like, or, 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 or like, what is it like to publish a book, or what is it like to accomplish you know, something you've been working on? And what I've realized over the past couple of years is that it's not necessarily about a specific achievement. It's about, the, it's about seeing that milestone in your life and realizing that like, as you continue to accomplish more of these things, the confidence grows. Okay, I like that. And we got a couple questions coming in on Facebook Live. We're going to get to those in, in a second. Angela, stick around. Uh, we have to say hello to Luz. Luz just came. Oh, Where's Sarah? Where's support? She, she, she's working out. She's All upstairs. Right. Good. She's she's trying to gain the strength to leave you. Is she's training. Right? God. Oh. oh. Hopefully. All right. Oh, Jesus. Wait. You're engaged now. Okay. Well, let's let's move on. Yeah. Let's let's move on. Um, so, all right, let's let's walk. Uh, let me just walk back to to something. Putting your work out there, everybody is scared of it. I still don't even like to do it. You know, if somebody's watching on Facebook and, and saying like, "Oh, this is the first time I ever heard about Matt's podcast. Uh, what is it called? The, the Live Different Podcast. Whatever." Right. The thing is. It's hard just to get out there. I mean, there's a bunch of people watching us now. That's really awesome uh, that they're coming out to support and be part of the community. But it's easier just to write in your bedroom and maybe push publish, maybe not push publish, instead of really getting your work out there. So you started your blog, rich, rich20something.com. Back in the day uh, when we were working on Under 30 CEO, when Jared and I, uh, which you now own, so tell me about where you just mustered up the courage to say, I have something important enough to say and I want to put it out there. Well, okay. I mean, I, I never had that particular thought. I think that for me, um, uh, creativity is is an outlet. And so we all have to find the thing that that gives us like something that feeds us besides just the thing that pays us. And sometimes those things merge and sometimes they don't. But the creative aspect of life, I think, is something that um, for a few generations, like people who grew up in the in the, the 70s and 80s, there was a period of time, even in the 90s, where like it was so focused on going to work, focusing on one particular path, and really kind of just like being so locked into TikTok, being so locked into this grind, this daily system, that I think there was a whole generation of people who gave up on creative work. Um, and you can see that in our parents, you can see that in just, I mean, you look at like, like look at go, go look at like 
you know, the history of the 80s and the movies from the 80s and like the way that people thought about business. And it was very much just like go to work, get a job, come home, go to sleep, wake up, repeat. There was a period of time, you know, even, even before that where it was just like the factory model. And now that we have all these tools, now that we can reach people outside of our immediate environment, um, I think it's opened up a new space for people in our generation, people, millennials, Generation X, to be creative without as much of a risk. Because in the past, to write a book was so much harder. Because in the past, to publish something was such a great feat. Now those barriers are much lower, and so the risk is lower, and, and it's easier for us to take that leap. And then it builds on itself. Once you begin to become creative, the confidence builds. And so I think that it's, it's easier than ever, and it doesn't take a lot of courage, because guess what? When you publish something for the first time, no one's going to read it. It doesn't really matter in the beginning. No one's reading it. But you publishing it and the act of you creating something is the important part. And if you have something that's uh, valuable enough to say, eventually people will. All right. I want to get back to, to how you accept feedback and what that yeah. is like for you. But let's get, to, let's get to that in a second. We have a question coming in from Angela. And she's asking, what sacrifices did you make to achieve this so-called freedom? And I think first, the most important thing that we should do is, could you uh, define what you mean by freedom? That's a good question. For, for me, freedom is not necessarily a... Um, it's not necessarily like living in a specific place or having a specific job or even really attached to a certain amount of money. For me, freedom is the ability to, to create and design the life that I want to live. That sounds very, very Gen, 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 Gen Y of me, I guess. Very, very, very millennial of me. But I think that um, being able to, for instance, look at my day and say, what do I want to fill today with? A lot of times when you have a traditional job, you just don't have the option of deciding. You have an entire, like if you were to look at the day as a, as, a, as a calendar, the entire day would be taken up with someone else's tasks. And that takes away your creative energy. It takes away your ability to come up with new interesting things for yourself. It takes away your ability sometimes to stay in good physical or mental shape. Um, it, it certainly is can be depressing at times. And I think that the freedom comes from the ability to decide. It's the ability to choose. And that ability to choose is the doorway. Everyone's going to choose something different, but having the ability is the important part. And once you have the ability to choose, once you have some breathing room from all the noise, which is we want to talk about getting away from the noise, once you have some breathing room, then you can decide for yourself. And then you can really decide, what is it that I want to do? do you don't have to write. That's my thing. And I've known I want to do that since I was a kid. I, I was always wondering how I would make the writing into a career. I didn't know, and I couldn't figure that out until I had the time to sit back and do the writing. So it went from I went from restaurant, job, 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 to freelancer, to entrepreneur. And as I tore away from those various other people tasks, I gained some of my time back. I gained some of my freedom back, and that allowed me to step back and say, what does Daniel want? And over time, as I earned my freedom back through my work, um, then I could make those choices, and over time I got happier and happier and happier because all the choices that I was making became more in alignment with what I really wanted. Okay, that's awesome. So then let's dig into the meat of the question here for Angela and answer what sacrifices <clears throat> did you have to make? You know, I, sacrifices... I think the only sacrifice that you really make, you know, obviously you're going to have some sacrifice of like emotional uh, and psychological stability in the beginning. Not that you're going crazy, but it's more like you have to be able to put yourself out there not knowing if there's going to be a net under you. And there's a lot of that stuff, though. A lot of the stuff is just fear that's created by culture. So we have this fear of like, you know, like, like the worst case scenario is I'm going to go bankrupt and be dead in the streets. Like that's that is like the number one top fear for most people. But that fear is a, is a created fear. It's not that it's not real, like it can't happen, but it's mostly a, a cultivated fear, other people's fear, that they implanted into your brain because your parents said, oh, what we do for money, because the fact that when you go to college, they give you 100 options for a job, and if, you're, if what you want to do isn't one of those 100 options, you feel like you're automatically failing. So most of that fear is manufactured, and so the sacrifice that I had to do was give up a lot of those constructs. 
And by giving up those constructs, it can feel you can feel very lost because if you're not obeying the major system in school, if you're not if you're not taking a traditional job, and therefore you don't have um, a clear path on what you on, on where your life is going to lead, you have to create that. It takes energy to create what it is that you want to do. Stephen King uh, says in his book that whenever this is a really great book on writing by Stephen King. Damn, okay, on my list. It's such a good book. And he says that when he writes, it's um, rather than writing a plot or creating a story, it's like dusting a fossil and seeing what's underneath. And it's the same for you. As you, um, as you free yourself from the expectations and the ideas that others basically have been implanting in you since you were a young child, you had no choice. As you free yourself of that, um, you'll become more clear on what you want, but there's not always going to be a linear path. And the fact that there's not a linear path can be can cause a lot of anxiety, can cause a lot of sleepless nights, and so you sacrifice some of the safety and the psychological and emotional safety for a much higher upside, you know. And so the upside is worth it, but the downside is that it takes a lot of energy to be able to pull yourself up. Okay, so it looks like there's two parts of it, the mental and psychological side of it, and there's a lot of things that people can do surrounding themselves with the right people, being yep. part of a community of, of people who are trying to do the same things, right? like-minded, and we can get into that later, it doesn't mean they have to think like you, but they have the same values as you. They value this freedom that we're talking about, where they value uh, being able to express their opinion and share it with uh, share it with others without feeling censored, without feeling that they're not being true to themselves. Uh, and then there's the other side of it, which is the financial, and I think that's it's usually what's pe on people's mind, or, or that's like what your parents are going to ask you or that's what your yeah. friends are going to ask you. So could you dive in a little bit to the fine, the financial, the safety net, or maybe share some of your own experiences with that? It's hard, man. I mean, you know, so I've seen it done multiple different ways. The first way is that you, that you can do it. And this is the safest way. If you want to go like safe entrepreneurship, the safe way would be to, Work at a job where you can gain some skill that's valuable and then also save up enough money so that when you leave, you have a cushion. Um, and that, there, that is probably the safest way, except that it's the most, also most dangerous way because there's a, a danger of being trapped. Because if you're building your nest and you're like just waiting for the right time, a lot of people never make the leap because the safety is really intoxicating. So, for instance, one of my good friends, Mark, is a, is a photographer in New York. And he's, I mean, he's been now in Vogue, in, uh, he's done shoots for Cartier, like he's really, he's high level. And um, he used to work at AOL as an account manager. And he saved, you know, for, you know, five, six years money. He also banked a lot of interesting and useful skills. He built relationships. And he did it that way. And it really worked for him where he was able to make that leap. But at the same time, that corporate job is very comfortable. It pays him. A uh, good six-figure salary. The office is fucking dope. All the people are great. He has security. New York's expensive, so why not stay there? So there was a there was a danger in trying to stay safe there. For me, I am I I I am I wouldn't say I'm a, a risk taker, but I also I, I also uh, will definitely sometimes leap uh, quickly and not analyze everything. And that has in the past served me. And now as I as I progressed in my journey, I realize I need to be more strategic. But in the beginning, being able to uh, just to to jump and then figure things out as I'm as I'm in motion has served me, and um, and that's what I've seen, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs do. And so it's it's not that one's right or wrong, but your parents are going to say things, your friends are going to say things, people are going to have their own opinions. Most of the opinions are the result of their own internal fears. Most of the time, when people pick on you uh, when they when they question your moves, they're really thinking. You know, how is how are they going to do that? How is he or she going to be able to do that? Why can't I do that? And maybe even those thoughts aren't—they're not even conscious; they're subconscious. And a lot of that comes back to just the programming. It, from the from the realistic side of it, you have to just figure out what you would need to live, how much money you need to make, how much what would be a reasonable amount of income to generate, and then you figure out you work backwards and say, all right, well, what skills do I have? And you figure out how to how to create that. It's not really that hard, like. I know, it sounds, I know it's easier to say that when I'm further from, from, that, from that place in my life, but the reality is it's not. If you're working for someone else, you're providing a skill and they're giving you money. So you can do that for yourself. It's just that it takes more focus. And if you are still working at a job and you don't have time 
to, let's say, focus on your own projects, you need to make it a non-negotiable. You say, look, this is an important part of my life. I want to develop myself creatively. I want to develop something that's just me, that doesn't require me to give all my energy to someone else. And so you say, you know what? It's a non-negotiable that I spend an hour on this work a day. And it could be an hour before or an hour after. And you use that hour to find what it is that's going to be your unique angle, your unique business, the thing that you're going to offer. And you use that hour to create something. And over time, you buy your time back. So if it's seven hours a week, you find out what you can do in that seven hours to create a little bit of money, a little bit of momentum, a little bit of energy around your efforts. And then over time, seven hours buys back your time because it creates some money and you can slowly leave your job. You're getting good at this, Mr. DiPiazza. I'm on the circuit. I'm on the speaking circuit. I had, to, I had to warm up for a few minutes and I just came back from jujitsu and my head was spinning, but I'm here now. Well, I appreciate you rushing into this uh, at our previously scheduled time so i can get out and do a little bit oh, of skiing i, I want you to absolutely yeah. let's can we shout out a couple uh viewers right now i can't quite Please. get to it on my phone and i don't want to disconnect us uh we know that Andrew cameron's in the house okay uh cameron terry's in the house what up cameron you know cameron williams in the house angela's back jake whitman my homie Tom tomas is in the house we know Luz is here luke Rowe is in here edwin what's up dumpstar alex ismail cortez Oh my God, Marion's still here. Ty is here. Steve Aiken is here. Cheeks, what's up? Oh my God, my aunt is still watching. David Gordon in the house. Seven people on this. That was Look. unbelievable. Nothing, nothing left to be said. I think those are only those are only your friends. Um, but well, I can't even. I know you have some. I can't even shout out my peeps like you just did. Faye Moore, okay. what's up, Faye? Um, I'm trying to see who else is here without disconnecting us, but, uh, if you're watching, thank you. Thank you for coming in. I saw Killian come in from Ireland. Uh, he's going to start guiding for us out there. And wow. That's the most Irish name I've ever heard. Killian. Yes. It's, it's pretty <laughs> Irish. We just saw Mauricio come in from Costa Rica. I don't know if that's the most Costa Rican name you ever heard. Uh, but let's get back. Okay. Let's get back at, at it. If we're talking about, uh, how you cannot worry about what other people are going to say when it's your mom, when it's your grandparents, when it's your your friends who are just, as you said, uh, they're going at, they're, they're telling you these things probably because they're concerned for yourself, but really because they're truly afraid. But when you put a piece of work out there, right, and, uh, you know, how do you deal with that type of feedback, whatever it is? Well, my, my advice is if you have a book, have your mom make 100 Amazon accounts and comment on the book. That's the first. You have to weight it in your favor. Um, you know, the, the thing, and I was just talking about this with a friend at Jits, actually, because he's a writer and he, does, he writes for different TV shows. And he's like, you know, first of all, to the creators, congratulations, because that's the biggest hump. Just being able to publicly produce something is the biggest hump. The criticism that comes with it really is kind of plus or minus. If you look on Rotten Tomatoes, you can talk shit about the latest Star Wars movie, but it's fucking Star Wars. Are you going to make Star Wars? You know? No, you're not. So, so, so you can't really say anything. Most people who bash creators are not creators. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is if the people who are close to you, you know, it. I've learned that you you lose more by trying to like convince or appease or reposition yourself than you do just by saying thank you for your input and continuing to work um, because again a lot of that stuff is coming from their own place of fear their own place of pain their own place of past failure or something that they want to do their own acknowledgement sometimes their uh, vitriol is an acknowledgement of a uh, deep-seated desire to do their own creative work which they haven't been able to do um, and a lot of that stuff builds up over time. So if you have people who, especially like older people in your family, I, you know, one of my uncles uh, has been dissing me for years about being a scam artist. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm in Time Magazine. So I don't, are you in Time Magazine? You know, it, it's just like, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily uh, benefit me to go back and forth and tit for tat. I like to think of it like this. Like, I'll, and I'll tell you, this is a true story. Uh, I was called for jury duty the other day. And, um, and they, they, you know, I went out there and they're like, you know, it was, I don't know what type of case it was. I think it was like a, like a murder case or it was like, a, it was like a hit and run. I don't remember. And, uh, they were asking me questions and I was like, well, that's all well and good, but I'm a doubt. I'm a Taoist. 
So I would just have to find everybody innocent because I don't believe in, in faults, right or wrong, really. And they're like, oh, well, you have to leave because, you know, you don't have any opinions. And that's kind of how it is. It's like, if you don't like it, I understand and thank you, you know, and that's it. That's it. That's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole strategy. I don't go back and forth because they're not coming at you from a position of, you're not going to be able to logically, like, oh, here I have, I have a logical, you know, point one through ten about why I'm right or you're right. When they're coming at you, it's an emotional thing, and you can't prove their emotions wrong with your logic. So you're not going to be able to say, oh, here's why my creative ideas are good. Here's why I'm going to be successful. You can, but since they're coming at you with emotion, it's two different wavelengths, you know? Okay, so when someone puts a comment on your stuff, Right. And it's whether it's a blog comment or whether it's on your Facebook or your Instagram. I mean, you have a huge you have a huge following. So you're going to get I'm really popular. All, you're going to get all sorts of great people saying some crazy shit. Now, what if they are? OK, so so we can just my fans are great. Right, they're great. But we, yeah, those are your fans. But the people who don't agree with what you have to say, all right, how can you? How do you respect? Do you just not engage? Is that? And there's no right answer here. You don't have to be like, oh, sorry, dude, I don't engage. Uh, that's just my thing. You maybe that is your thing. But how do you go about uh, responding to someone who might just be misinformed? Might just be they they're taking a knock at your point. Maybe on an article that you read that you wrote, right, or a Facebook post that you made, and there, you, you just don't agree. How, so how do you respectfully disagree? Do you get into that at all? Uh, I, in the past I have, but I find like that it really what it does is it just knocks me off my game because I start to think about, I start to think about negative stuff if I'm engaging with them. And I, it starts to, it starts to uh, bring me down, to be honest with you. Like you did, you definitely can rise above it, but when I go back and forth with someone, it just makes me feel bad. And I try to stay away from things that make me feel bad, to be quite honest with you. I I, um, I don't get too much hate, but I do get, uh, you know, I, I get emails from, from now and again of people who are like, oh, you know, you suck or I hate you. I had one person say that they want to throw me in a wheat thresher. I had to look that up. <laughs> he said, <laughs> like, apparently it's like they want to tear me into little pieces. And I'm just like, you know, that's clearly your thing. Sometimes now what I do, I either don't respond or I respond with like overwhelming kindness. So they'll send me an email and I'll be like, man, fuck you, I hate you. God, why are you sending me these stupid emails? Go kill yourself. And I'm just like, and I'll just say, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Is everything, is everything, it seems like everything's not all right with you. And they're like, oh, I know, my mom is sick. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. You know, and so I just kind of like, it's kind of like Nelson Mandela did. It's like, you know, when you, when you spread that vitriol, you're really poisoning yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So aside from the haters, right now you make a point about something and someone just disagrees. Someone is going to take a stance that they, they just don't, they just have other ideas. Do you ever engage in that type of debate? Do you let your community know that like, Hey, I'm out here. I'm listening. You might not agree with me, but I'll tell you my opinion. And because one of the huge problems with the world, or, or let's call it the United States, at least at the moment, is that there's so much polarization. Everybody says, you're either for us or you're against us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, they're either saying you're right or you're wrong. You either got to be on the left or you got to be on the right. You either got to be with Hillary or you got to be with Trump. You know, either you're... Look, Too bad options. Look, right? And that's the, that's the point. There's no right answer. Nobody's going to nail it. But how, how can we more respectfully disagree without alienating all of our relationships. How can we say like, hey, uh, I wrote an article about this. I'm just using writing article as, a, as an easy example because we both write. How can you go back and say like, look, actually, it would be better if you looked at it this way. Well, I think that um, a lot of times people will like if you think about if you think about like what people take issue with, usually it's things that um, have some sort of like some sort of like emotional or like or personal reference for them that they're using to like project onto you. So an example would be like for me, um, 
I posted, I posted this on my, my Instagram a couple days ago, my story. I said, you know, you don't have to be one thing. You don't have to only pick one side uh, all the time. It's not red or blue, black or white. I post a lot about business, entrepreneurship, success, writing, but I also post some ratchet shit. I'll post about recreational drug use. I'll post about really personal sad stuff. And so it's both. And I think that over time, what, what I've learned is that when people see that you're able to flow between different levels of conversation, um, it creates an effect where it opens up the table. I've had a lot of criticism towards me about like my talks about ayahuasca or DMT, uh, and people are a lot of people told me you're not, you're not setting a good example, you're not a good role model. Um, you know why would you talk about talk about this stuff? And what I what I will tell them is this is something I can't tell. I'm certainly not trying to change your religion. I'm not trying to convince you to see things the way I see. I am simply sharing my experiences with you, and these are true for me. And I don't expect you to believe me because there's nothing to believe. I'm relating an experience. So there's no need for you to be angry at me relating an experience. You're only angry because you think I'm trying to convince you, but I'm not. I'm just sharing with you. And from that perspective, a lot of times people will tend to back off and we can have a conversation. It's only when people feel like their ego is being affected because they're like, I don't want to change my opinion. I don't want to change my opinion. I say, I'm not trying to change your opinion. If you believe that this is bad, then it's bad for you. And for me, it's okay. You know? And so I think that, that not having to try to change people has made it easier to open the conversation. It's when you start saying, oh, let me show you why I'm right, that people immediately put their defenses up, and that I just don't do. Okay, I really like that. It's such an easy example to work with. And of course, as soon as you start talking about drugs, the viewership goes through the roof. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, drugs. so, so again. Let, let's, let's talk about that for a second, though, because, all right, for example, uh, I try to be pretty conservative with our community with under 30 experiences. You know, I'm a leader of a leader of a community, leader of a, a company. I want the company to be uh, in very good standing and my reputation to be crystal course, clean, etc. Uh, especially when we're traveling to other countries. Um, yeah, especially when we're traveling to, to other countries where these things may or may not be legal. So, uh, perfect example. Somebody put up in uh, the Under 30 Experiences community, put a picture uh, of the last time that you were truly happy, right? And you threw in one of your videos, <laughs> right? So I'm going to call you out on it for a second. I was so just joking. It raised, it, no, but it raised a couple red flags. People were like, oh, shit, you know, Daniel DiPiazza, like, <laughs> you know, oh, man, he... I think oh, he uses oh. marijuana. It's been, no, it's, no, no, I'm it's not legal. It's okay. yeah, we California. You okay, fucks. so so here's the point. Here's the point, right? That's uh, that's not respectful, Daniel. Clean up your language on my Facebook, please. Uh, but no, look. Okay, so it's legal where you are, right? But you just said before that you're not trying to convince people to change their opinions, and if. Cannabis is good for you, using it in a medicinal way, using it to relax, whatever you want to call it, or, or just because it brings you joy, whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to judge. I got hair down to my ass, right? So <laughs> look, um, the point I'm trying to make here is maybe you want to create a more open world, right? Where people are more open to things like cannabis because it freaking helps veterans and uh, people with PTSD and a lot of these types of things. Now, you could get engaged in that to debate, but are you really trying to change people's opinion? Are you really just trying to say, I'm just sharing my experience with the old... Uh... You know what I'm trying to do? I'll tell you what I'm trying to do. I am trying to, I'm trying to smoke out the, uh, the, the ghost followers, you know, because a lot of times people will, will see that a lot of people, like, once I started talking about psychedelics, everyone was suddenly interested in psychedelics. Oh, wow, you want to hear about LSD? I like LSD. I've tried it. I had this experience. Or I've really been thinking about that, too. People oftentimes need permission to speak about these things. And as a leader, now, I'm not I'm not uh, live streaming me tripping, okay? That's, you know, it's not, maybe I will next year. Uh, but I'm, I'm not doing that. But 
But just talking about this thing, especially in a position of leadership, something that that gives permission for others to speak about things they're already doing, uh, it just opens the conversation. And it does sometimes create uh, some some negativity. But I think for me, I've experienced a, a better a better upswing of positive feedback from people who are saying, wow, if you're willing to be honest about this, the other things that you're talking about, I know are really what you feel and think. That's pretty good, sir. That's pretty good. And yeah. if you are then creating a more open world where people are going to say, oh, okay, Daniel talks about this stuff. It had life-changing impact on him. Well, maybe their minds open up a little bit more to whatever it is, drugs or, or otherwise. Yeah, it's not about drugs. It's, it's not about drugs. It's about whatever tools for you. And I, I've gone through some of these experiences with my closest – we're not going to make this a drug thing. But I've gone through some of these experiences with my closest friends, and it's changed our lives. And we've become closer and have incredibly uh, enhanced relationships as a result of this. And I can't deny that. If it didn't work, I wouldn't talk about it. So, uh, you know, because – on the other hand, you can see, yeah, I have a best-selling book out here. Yeah, I just started a new company. We partnered up with LA Weekly. They know that I write about that stuff. In fact, I wrote an article about DMT for LA Weekly. Okay, So there is a movement going forward towards these experiences, sort of talking about this stuff. And I'm only talking about things that are already happening. I didn't make up drugs. Okay, <laughs> you know. So for me to talk about these things, it gives permission to say, oh, well, maybe I can talk about whatever my thing is. You know, and, and, and that for me is a better is a better upside than the downside of potentially. And I talked to my dad about this the other day. He said, hey, son, you know, and my, my dad has no problem with drugs. He has no problem. OK, but he said, hey, you know, do you think you're going to lose some opportunities because of this? And I said, you know, there's a possibility that I will. In fact, they're probably I probably will lose some. The opportunities that I lose will be things I never even knew existed because someone will say, oh, well, what about Daniel DiPiazza for this? And they'll look through my profile and see me rolling up some weed and say, nah, not him. But I'll never even know that I lost those opportunities. But the opportunities that I gain from this, which I'm already seeing the fruits of, are bigger than the potential for the loss, in my opinion. And so for me, it's a win. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So if other people want to go out there and harness this type of mindset where they can talk about what they want, they can try to influence others. You don't need to debate them to death, right? But oh. open up people to a more open and honest world where people aren't afraid to talk about Things. This is why we're doing what we're doing right now is because these are mm -hmm. conversations that are, are critical for people to hear because, you know, the state of the world right now, there's a lot of great things going on out there if you can see them. But otherwise, there's a lot of people struggling with depression. There's a lot of people struggling with their health. There's a lot of people caught up in, in shit that they just don't want to deal with anymore. And uh, you and I are both ex sharing experiences with people that can get them to open up their eyes and take action in this world, right? Totally. And help, help, them, help themselves. Uh, so if people want to go about harness, harnessing this mindset, would you have an a overarching piece of advice for them? Yeah. Well, first of all, like this isn't, this isn't like a 90-day plan. You know, you can't, you can't like – Corsify this. There's not. A, there's not one single book you can read. This just. This has been the result of working on all these areas of my life for for years now. Like getting my health together, my physical, and not just my fitness, but my wellness. So my my health, my fitness, two different things. Um, my intellectual health, my emotional health. Uh, really working hard, especially now that I'm engaged to to make sure that my relationship is really healthy and I'm and I'm available for Sarah and I and I'm and I'm being like a good partner. Uh, making sure that um, that I I'm taking I'm taking myself seriously when it comes to things like meditation, when it comes to things like uh, self care, all of these aspects, plus things like recreational drug use occasionally, uh, occasionally every day. Uh, recreational <laughs> no re with but, a purpose. Uh, Hashtag. Right. It's right. It's all that. It's all that. And so it's all these things you're developing. And as you work on all those different areas, it, it's it's going to the seminars, too. If you if, if it's going to things that will develop you, it, it's taking classes. It's uh, most people don't know. I'm going back to UCLA to grad school just because I want to just to, just to learn some stuff, just to become a better writer. Um, it's all these things. And as you develop yourself, you create this energy around yourself that develops 
all these different areas, and then you'll start to see that people will come up to you and they'll say, hey, you know, you're dressing a little better. You're, it seems like you're making some more money. You're traveling a bit more. You're like, what's going on with you? Something's a little bit different with you. And it's because you've been working on all these areas. It's not just one thing. And so the way that you start with this is you start by taking a little bit of that time back and saying, what is important to me? For, for, for everyone that's going to be different, what I would recommend is that you start by having a non-negotiable hour just for yourself. And the first habit would be meditation. It's the first habit. You, I think you wrote about this, uh, well, you've written about it a bunch of times. I think it was someone who was in my inbox saying what I've learned from five years of meditation. You've been doing it for many years now. And that's the first step. And it's not because it will uh, change your life immediately. It's because it's forced self-reflection. And as you develop the ability to do nothing, you'll start to have a, a more clarity. The glass around your life will unfog. And the first thing for me that at least happened was I started to see some dots connect about why events happened in my life. I started to remember conversations I had forgotten. I started to feel a piece, uh, a sense of calm where I didn't have that constant surge of anxiety that's caused by the television and the fact that I live in Los Angeles and the fact that I'm breathing in all these fumes probably. I started to become more just connected to just myself without all the shit. And from that, I was able to make better decisions. And then I started to develop myself. I started to read more. I started to journal. I started to work out more. All of that stems from the place of just, you know, creating a space for myself. Everyone needs that hour. There's no reason why you can't have it. And if you think there is, then it's, it's you being scared of being quiet. It's actually sometimes scary to sit and do nothing because you're like, well, if I'm doing nothing now, what am I missing out on? And what will I find out about myself? And that's the work we need to be doing. And that's where, you, where you'll start at the point of developing the energy. That's awesome. And as you start to do this, you start to attract the right people in your life. Last time we hung out, we went down to Santa Monica to Bulletproof Labs. We went through a workout together. And at the end of it, I don't know if you remember saying this, but you're like, man, I'm turning 30 soon. I'm meditating. I'm fighting jujitsu. I'm working out. I just got engaged. Uh, my book thing's going well thing, you know, and, and there have been, I know you well, so I know about your struggles as well, mm-hmm. but you're doing the right things to be able to put yourself mm-hmm. around the right type of people to yeah. form those healthy habits. And that's been years. I mean, we've known each other, I don't know, a long time, probably, I don't know, eight, eight yeah, years, years now. I've been watching your work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that, yeah. that's seven, seven, eight awesome. years. You, that that's really cool. Uh, do you want to shout? You want to shout out a couple people who who joined us. Uh, first of all, Captain Randy is here. Ooh. Captain Randy. Oh, uh, Captain Randy dad, in the house. Everybody, uh, we got Eric coming in from uh, from Austin, Texas, on the Under Thirty Experiences team. We got Sean McDonald uh, watching us. He came down with Ooh. us to Costa Rica. What's up, Sean? That's right. Uh, my, That's right. He was also at Bulletproof. Yes, we saw him. We saw him. That was so weird. I was in a a virtual oh, yeah. float tank with these crazy glasses, and this thing spins like fifteen <laughs> times. A, a, I don't know a minute or whatever. And then first thing I do is take these things off after this meditation that we did. And there's Sean McDonald standing there. Hadn't seen him since Costa Rica. <laughs> you attract my people. Ex- you know? Exactly. Through literally, that's what I was doing was so meditating true. in that in that thing. Uh, anybody you want to shout out? Uh, oh, also, can I add something? Yeah, Can I add something too? Please. I, I want to just say this. This is very important. For anyone who's watching this, one of the most important things you can do is change your environment uh, in order to get closer to the people that you want to be around. And for me, I found that being in California has been the biggest shift that I could make. I Not only do I fucking love California, but there are so many good people here. And it's not that there aren't good people in every other place in the world. But the, the volume of people here in this immediate area and the, the types of connections I've been able to make, I know wouldn't have been possible where I wanted to go or wherever else I would have gone. And so sometimes changing your environment and going to where the people are rather than feeling alone or feeling like you're the only one who wants to change and wants to develop is the best thing you can do. And you will find that as you travel more, Matt, you're the best, most avid traveler I know, the energy of different places is different. The energy of different uh, geographical locations and even different towns within the same like region is different. And so you got to find the right vibe for you. And once you do, it will affect you. The fact that it is Jan- February right now and it feels like summer makes me happy. And that makes me and it makes me want to do more work. You know, it makes me want to be more productive and it, it changes your psychology. So the environment is very important. and You have to consider that. 
That's excellent. Uh, yeah, and th and thank you guys to whoever is joining in on the Facebook Live. We're gonna wrap in a second. Danny, you want to leak anything about your new project? You want to you want to talk about it? Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm doing. Uh, we are starting a new company. It's called Vanguard. Vanguard is the cultural, uh, entertainment, um, art, and influencers of LA. Imagine Vice but cooler. We partnered with uh, with LA Weekly to develop an entirely new platform. It's uh, it's going to be huge. It's going to include um, streaming streaming uh, series. We're going to do tons of video content, of course, written stuff as well. We're going to be partnering with some of the the, um, the the coolest names in the area, and we're going to be making this national. And you guys will see it, and you'll see like you're hearing about on this podcast. But this is something that you're going to see way outside of just this network right here, and you'll come back and go, oh shit. That, that was real. Like, we just got the investment. We just picked out offices in the LA Weekly office. We, uh, we, just, we just picked out offices, office space in the LA Weekly office. Yeah. Can you hear me? You, were you froze for a second. Go ahead. Go ahead. You picked out offices in the LA oh. Weekly space? Yeah, we just picked out offices in the LA Weekly space. So we're building this thing. And, um, and it's going to be incredible. And it's what I've been working towards for about 10 years now. And it's so funny how... Um, it materialized within a period of like two months when I didn't even see it coming. That's awesome, man. That is great. I'm really happy for you. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for taking the time, of course, to uh, share your sage advice. If anybody would like to connect with you after this podcast, what can they do for you? What can they do? Man, How can they connect with you? Is what I meant to say. If you look, look. If you Google my name. I have a sidebar, which means I'm fucking famous, okay? You type in Daniel DiPiazza, and it has my picture there. I know. I know. It's, it's worldwide. No. Uh, Rich 20-something. I might even keep that handle just to spite people. I'm going to keep it for years. I don't care. Yeah, Rich 20-something on all the platforms. It's, <laughs> it's super humble. Um, yeah, and find me on there. But honestly, though, uh, I, I'd be happy to, uh, to talk to you. Email me, DanielRich20something.com. Uh, and I, I, you know, I've made all of my closest friends now online. So you're probably the next one, whoever's watching this. That's a heart for you. <laughs> ah, heart. All right, dude. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for everything. I appreciate it. If people are listening, uh -huh. like it, share it and, uh, spread the love. That's what we're here to do. Hey, Lift Different Podcast listeners. If you've been listening for a while, you understand how much importance that I place on yoga, meditation, adventure, travel, and being in nature. And I have all of those things set for you guys this April 24th through 30th with none other than former podcast guest and, of course, my girlfriend, Luz Garcia, our yoga teacher for Under 30 Experiences. We are hosting a yoga and mindfulness retreat together. And I would love if you wanted to take the next step in our relationship and come and actually hang out. I promise that I will show you a good time in Costa Rica on this eco lodge eating three organic meals per day that come from the ground there on the farm at the base of the Arenal volcano amazing yoga platform overlooking this beautiful little river uh, it is deep in the rainforest. There are all sorts of activities to get you outside of your comfort zone, whether it's the zipline canopy tour, whether it is uh, hikes through the jungle, horseback riding, uh, kayaking, anything that you guys want to do. This trip is all about you. So if you want to sign up, check us out under30experiences.com. Click Yoga in Costa Rica, and I'd love to see you there.